0: You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. On this episode of Earth Matters, we're bringing you special coverage of the people's blockade of the world's largest coal port, led by rising tide from November 24th to 27th 2023. I'm here on Horseshoe Beach at Mullumbimba, Newcastle, standing in front of the world's largest coal port. This weekend, it's been transformed into a site of mass peaceful civil disobedience, as thousands of people have turned out to demand an end to new fossil fuel projects. For 30 hours, people on kayaks, pontoons, surfboards and pool noodles will be occupying Newcastle Harbour, blockading any coal ships from leaving the port. Recorded on a Awabakal, Warramai country, and produced on Wurundjeri country, I'm Jacob Gamble. Here's Rising Tide Newcastle community organiser, Zach Schofield. I understand this blockade's been in the planning for quite some time. Do you want to walk us through how you came
1: up with the idea, and what was the organisation like for such a big event? For sure, Jacob. So. Look, this is the 12th blockade uh, of the coal port that's happened uh, in Newcastle's history, Um, but it's only the third one that's happened this decade. The original Rising Tide was operative in uh, 2005, 2012. Um, They did a whole bunch of these actions, uh, but, you know, so Newcastle's got a history of port blockades. Uh, When Rising Tide refounded last year, there was always the plan to take it back to the water, right? Because Newcastle is the world's largest coal port and as uh, climate activists, people engaging in direct action against the fossil fuel industry to protect our futures, uh, the bottleneck of Newcastle port is uh, a target of absolutely global significance. Um, So, you know, the Newcastle community feels a responsibility to address the carbon emissions that Newcastle port uh, creates through the burning of fossil fuels. So, yeah, we're back here, uh, this time for two days, two full days, 30 hours of on-water blockading, uh, which is what separates this blockade from from ones in the past. And I understand you'll be on the water for 30 hours,
0: uninterrupted, correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. And so the planning process for that um, is a long one, right? We've been escalating towards this action for months now. Uh, in the middle of the year, a core team of Rising Tide organizers Uh, Alexa, Naomi and and Sean travelled around the country uh, holding talks and discussions in all of the capital cities down the East Coast and a few of the regional hubs as well, uh, promoting this idea. And and so since then, the regional hubs have autonomously organised to get people to Newcastle, uh, itself a regional city, for this massive community event. We've been engaging with the police since September. Uh, The harbour master has known about it. The port of Newcastle has known about it. Um, what differentiates Rising Tide from uh, a lot of other folks is we say what we're going to do, and then we do it, and we do it in number. Great. And what are you hoping are some of the messages or what are some of the key
0: objectives of blockading the coal port for 30 hours? Yes,
1: yeah, certainly. So, look, we're getting across to the, uh, the fossil fuel industry that we're willing to take them head on. But, of course, this is just a disruption, right? not an actual stop to coal exports. Our message ultimately is to the government of the day. Uh, And we are demanding that the Albanese government, which professes to be taking action on climate change, actually takes the fossil fuel industry head on by banning new fossil fuel projects, which they continue to approve against all of the climate science, and institute a proper tax on fossil fuel exports. We argue for 75%. uh, And, you know, those tens and tens of billions of dollars could be injected directly into the funds for transition uh, to, you know, make sure that the people of Singleton, Musselbrook and other uh, coal regions actually get a fair go.
0: And we're seeing lots of different groups here today, like, as you said, from all over the the East Coast, um, but also lots of different demographics. What do you think is sort of the
1: the role of solidarity in building a movement like this? Solidarity is extremely important. um, And, look, we are extremely grateful uh, to every single participant for taking the time out of their day to come here. And we also want to express solidarity with... um, Comrades who are facing, you know, harsher police repression than than we are, um, and I think it's 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 a testament to uh, the model of organising that Rising Tides developed um, that we can't be policed uh, as though we're we're um, terrorists. To to say, I mean, the, the policing of other environmentalists and activists has been absolutely repressive, and and we condemn it completely, um, and. I would also say that um, because of the diversity uh, and mainstreaming of our movement, um, we've seen folks like the, uh, the Anglican Dean of Christchurch Cathedral come and bless us the Monday before the blockade. We've seen federal politicians such as David Pocock uh, publicly support us, the Lord Mayor of Sydney, Clover Moore, publicly support us. Um, and it's these sort of endorsements that give us the social licence to be as disruptive as we are being. Uh, and continue to push the boundaries of uh, against the fossil fuel industry.
0: Mm, and there's definitely been a bit of a crackdown on non-violent direct action and, and protests, uh, in particular climate protests. Uh, what are you hoping will be kind of the future? You're going to keep pushing the envelope for uh, for this sort of movement, or do you think this is going to cause sort of people to adjust and adapt their
1: approach? Absolutely. Well. Look, we've told uh, everyone involved, the police at the harbour, uh, that we're going to be thousands of people out on the water stopping the coal ships. Um, And we do what we say we're going to do, right? Um, And we've been publicly advertising that our goal is to ultimately get 10,000 committed people uh, to the port of Newcastle to uh, shut it down indefinitely. Uh, that's always been our, our ultimate escalation goal. Uh, our climate defense pledge is a way for people to sign up to be one of those 10,000. Um, and I think there's power in telling people what you want to do, uh, you know giving people an idea of where the movement is heading. Um, and you know we know from examples like uh, Bentley in the northern rivers where, Uh, 5,000 community members successfully stopped a fracking project from going ahead just by being on the site uh, for too long, you know, the cops couldn't move them. Um, And from elsewhere in the world, the blockades work and disruption works and uh, the way of making these actions accessible for a wide variety of people is the way to get to the numbers that you need for rolling ongoing disruption. Um, In addition, uh, coordinating you know, hopefully in the future, more so with our union comrades who work in the port, um, might open up some other opportunities because we're fighting for everyone here, not just to stop uh, fossil, f- new fossil fuel projects and stop the climate crisis, but to actually get more money for our regions, for transition, um, which is something that everyone in Newcastle can get behind. What are you most looking forward to about this weekend? Oh, it's going to be fun. Um, there's going to be hundreds of kayaks out there. We've actually got... Uh, three giant pontoons. One of them's got a slide. Uh, it's a, a two-storey pontoon with a slide. Uh, I've got a giant inflatable unicorn. Um, there are a couple of, of uh, catamarans out on the water. So, look, being out on the water in Newcastle Port uh, over this Saturday and Sunday is it's really the place to be. Mm, great to see people having a bit of fun with it, hey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what the People's Blockade um, is also able to be. You know, it's not just... Um, a protest against things, but it's a model of what our society can look like, right? You know, it's, this event is entirely volunteer run. Um, people have been doing an amazing job and working really hard to make it a, a safe, accessible space. Uh, events over the weekend include a, a climate dog parade with, with dress up dogs. Uh, there's kids' activities such as face painting and theatre. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's really, we're bringing a festival. A protestable, if you will, um, to the Newcastle beach, um, and we'd invite everyone to to come and check it out.
0: That was Rising Tide Newcastle community organizer Zach Schofield. Here's Newcastle School Strike for Climate youth activist Neve. What was the inspiration for you to come today to the blockade?
2: Um, for a long time I was kind of living in a period of numbness, you could say. I kind of lost my drive to act, lost my drive to educate myself, to care. It's not not that I didn't care about climate change, it's because I cared so much that I couldn't take any more disappointment. But that wasn't sustainable, you know. As Bob Brown said today, don't be deep, be depressed, take action. So. Yeah, I've kind of, I've, I'm at the other end of that period, I guess. And it's just amazing to be around so many other people who care as deeply as I do. And just this environment is kind of, yeah, really, a really, really welcoming environment.
0: Yeah, that's great to hear. And why do you think it's so important that blockades like today are happening at the moment?
2: We're running out of time. We've said it over and over. We've said it before I was born. And we're saying it's still today and not much has changed. So we're going to keep doing movements like this. Because if we don't, like, the planet's dying, you know. We're going to die with it. Yeah.
0: Of course. It is a pretty grim outlook when you, you know, you read the reports and the news and everything. I mean, how do you find hope in times like this?
2: Collective action. Being around other people who... Share the same views as you. People who care just as much as you do. People who are just as scared as you. Like the only ante- antidote to despair is action, really. So taking action is the best thing.
0: It's a great answer. And are you going to be going out on the harbour today or tomorrow?
2: I've been out today. I'll be um, I'll be going out tomorrow as well. So not not for tonight, but yeah, tomorrow.
0: I asked Neve what her message would be for people in power.
2: People in power, they're destroying my chance, my friend's chance, my peers chance of a future, swiftly destroying it. Um, I would say we're really angry and you need to start you need to stop ignoring our voices. They're loud and they're angry, but they're just being constantly ignored. It's time to start listening. To young people, it's time to start listening. To activists, it's time to start listening. To the traditional owners of this country, whose land we're destroying every day, whose land you're destroying.
0: You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. We just heard from Rising Tide Newcastle community organiser Zach Schofield and Newcastle School Strike for Climate youth activist incredible. We're bringing you special coverage of the people's blockade of the world's largest coal port. A three day event featuring music, art, discussions, and an action of mass civil disobedience at Newcastle Coalport. Here's a First Nations yarning panel featuring Awabakal elder Auntie Tracy, Ngemba elder Auntie Caroline, Bunjalung and Warramai's saltwater woman Phoebe Malkelraith, and Ngemba Wangan and Jungalingu protector of country Wilka Kirakuta. The conversation was moderated by Waddy Wadi Man of the UN Nation, Matthew Jeffrey.
3: The slogan, No Climate Justice Without First Nations Justice, what does it mean to you and your story and how you've gone through the decades or years uh, of living as a First Nations person? And I think I'd like to start by asking you, only Trace. I guess, think, well,
4: what it means to me is that... Um, our people haven't been here as long as what the Earth's been here. And there is no respect for our people, for most of our people. And certainly on October 14th, we were told that. So how can we care for the planet, which is the oldest living thing on this year, and respect it if you, can, and if you can't respect the next second longest, which is our mobs on this planet? We have to fight for both. We have to listen to First Nations peoples because they have, for 65,000 years, been the carers of these lands and cultivated them to where they are today. You can put all the concrete on this ground that you want, but at the end of the day, beneath that concrete is the earth and you really have to care for it. You can't keep digging it up. You've got to fight for both. You've got to fight for climate. You've got to fight for First Nations Peoples because we come from the Earth. Our people are part of Mother Earth, you know, and kill that and you're killing us as well. Maybe,
3: um, yeah, in your own words, what? What does this slogan mean to you? What what what's deeper about it, or is there anything about it that cuts deeper for you?
5: Murungu, Murungu, for having me here. I guess I actually just first want to talk about why I'm so excited to be here and why I'm so excited to be talking here, especially as a Warrau my woman. Is I'm um, actually if we look through this door and you look across the river, that's where my grandmother was born. So from my grandmother beyond, my entire direct matriarchy comes from Warrau my country, particularly about an hour up north from a place called Port Stephens, and we've always talked about how this spot over here has been incredibly significant for us as Warramai people. Despite our borders kind of more formally beginning north of the river, which acts as a natural border, um, for thousands of years we have come south and we have met on this headland. It's actually where my great-grandparents met, so my great-grandfather was a Bunjong man stationed down here at Fort Scratchley during World War II, and my great-grandmother was a Warramai woman and he would constantly go MIA to go on dates with her. Um, and he would get in trouble a couple of times for that. But no, that's why I'm so excited to be here, because this place is so important. For thousands of years, we met here. The colony tried to disrupt that by making it into a fort. Um, you know, what's the irony of that? Making your most sacred place into a place of military power. Um, but country persists. I think when I think about First Nations justice being climate justice, Our country and our people persist despite the structures that are put on it, despite them making this into a place of, you know, war and fear-mongering the population in World War II, particularly against, you know, Japanese people, um, the country still persisted and this became a place of meaning for my own line for me to be here today. Um, When I think about our justice, sovereignty is a climate solution, respecting sovereignty is a climate solution, we are the original protectors of country, and I think there's such an incorrect framing of environmentalism as being this white thing, when we've been doing this for tens of thousands of years. I think about how, yeah. And I guess I just want to leave you with, with a statistic that's very um, often quoted, that Indigenous Peoples around the world only make up 5%, um, but we protect over 80% of all biodiversity. And so we punch above our weight, we always have, we always will, and that is despite any setback that's put on us. And so we have solutions, we have frameworks, we actually have the means to solve this issue. So respecting First Nations sovereignty is a just climate solution. I want that to be something you take away today.
3: Thank you, Peggy. Um Annie Carroll, please adjudicate.
6: Oh, good afternoon, everybody, and Yalu. And I give uh, give recognition to the First People from here. Um, and I'd like to thank them for inviting me to come down and talk. Um, I'm a Nimba woman. I come from. My grandfather was born on Gundambuk Mountain, in between Burke and Cobar. And then my grandmother, she was born at Brawarana at the fish traps. Um, my life is involved around standing for water, standing for trees, and standing for animals. Now, if we don't stand up and say no more. Taking the river, as uh, when the Chinese come in, now they bought the whole Darling River. Then they turned around and cut it off. Okay, they put a big cement wall there. What they done was they put all the all the water into two dams, and what they did was they had the cotton there. Well. Cotton shouldn't be grown here because we haven't got enough water for that, and water is life. Your body is made up with eighty percent of water, so if you dry out, what happens? You just fall. But yeah, so I'm here um, because our Mother Earth. In that song, that um, Archie Roach, Archie Roach. Roach wrote with no, no, no. If you sit down and actually listen to the words of the song, he is telling you, no, no, no. You can't keep taking from our mother earth. Now we have tsunamis, we have different things going on in the world. It's not just here in Australia, but we will stand true to our souls and true to our mother earth. This is why we have to stand, because our elders before us had looked after this earth for how many years? You know, when, when colonialism started here in Australia, what happened? The blackfellas were pushed out, and we were put on reserves. We were put on missions, okay? So it's up to us, because we've been fighting forever, and I will fight until the day I die. It is a family thing with me. My husband drives a car. My son sits in the trees, you know? (laughs) My little girl up the back there, she makes um, jewelry. We're all loving people and I call all of you people in this room my rainbow family. So if you know and listen to me when I'm talking on the Facebook, I call out to my rainbow mob, and I'll say, I love my rainbow people because you know what? My rainbow people are more closer and love me more than my own blood family because my family, are. So ashamed that my kids and myself and my husband, we will stand up for something. Thank you very much.
3: Hi Kyle Carol. Uh mate. Hello,
7: my name's Wilka Kurakuda. Um Yeah, what it means to me, I'm gonna make it short and sweet. Um I believe that. We can't have justice as First Nations people until we get justice for our Mother Earth. That's the main thing. We need justice for our Mother Earth before we get justice for us First first Nations people. Um, And, yeah, I just stand up and do what I do because I don't see many of us First Nations people out there doing what I'm doing. Climbing trees, living in trees, locking myself to machines, climbing tripods, doing all that sort of stuff. I don't see many of us First Nations people out there doing it. And how can we expect our rainbow people to do it when us black can't do it ourselves? Yeah. We've got to stand up and show that we're... we're passionate about what we do yeah. and about our, what we stand for. And that's why I get up and do what I do, is just to show that us First Nations people can do it as well. And I do get scared for doing it, but... I just push that in the back of my head and think about my family that love me and my rainbow people that stand there with me and do what I do with me and help me do what I do and yeah I'd just like to thank everyone for being here.
3: The slogan has a third element and the the, the third element that should be there is that there's no. Uh, climate justice without First Nations justice, and there's no First Nations justice without class justice, without understanding that property rights are absolutely <laughs> fucked. Um, oh, there's a, another question that I, I think we can just open up to whoever wants to jump in. Um, so let me know if you want the mic. Uh, Do we have any more reflections on what First Nations justice actually looks like? What what does First Nations justice look like for us mob? So if anyone wants to jump in.
4: It's called UNDRIP 2007 from the United Nations. That's what First Nations justice looks like in this country. First Nations justice is about land rights. If you know any colonised country in the world, It's a freaking land grab and nothing more. And Britain's been solely responsible for that. If you look at what's going on in Gaza right now, and why in the last five weeks, 11,470 people have been murdered, it's a land grab and nothing more.
0: That was a First Nations yarning panel speaking on the connections between First Nations justice and climate justice, featuring Awabakal elder Auntie Tracy, Ngemba elder Auntie Caroline, Bunjalung and Waramai saltwater woman Phoebe Malcolwraith, and Ngemba Wangan and Jungalingu protector of country Wilka Kirakuta. The conversation was moderated by Wadi Wadi man of the UN Nation Matthew Jeffrey. Thanks for listening to Earth Matters. This episode was produced by me, Jacob Gamble, and featured a range of guests at the People's Blockade of the world's largest coal port in Moolanbimba, Newcastle, November 2023. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in broadcasting today's episode and the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. We'll finish with some music from Newcastle band Photos of the Moon, who performed at the blockade. Catch you next week.